Excellent. Well, good evening. Welcome to our Wednesday night at The Rock. We're so excited you guys are here with us, uh, going deeper with God, learning more, and spending time in His presence. Uh, this is such an incredible place to be on Wednesday nights, and, uh, and I'm so excited to be here. My name is uh, Pastor Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at The Rock. And um, to just for those of you who don't know me very well, just a, a little bit about myself. Last month, I celebrated my fifth year here at The Rock, and so I'm really excited about that. Yeah, five years, five years has gone by so fast, and, and I'm convinced that there's not a, a better place to be. Uh, I absolutely love getting to work here and serve here. Over my time, my position has changed a lot, and I've done a lot of different things. Currently, um, I'm serving as sort of like a, a fixer and a floater, and so I bounce between a lot of different things. I get to help out and serve on the executive team, um, which really just looks like me learning a lot from, um, from some of the, the wisest and most talented people on our staff. And then when I'm not doing that, I'm also serving alongside of Pastor Zach in our youth and alongside Pastor Ryan uh, with our young adults in our college, and then also helping Drew, who does all of our great like graphics and videos. And so I just sort of float, and I fix things, and I do things, and so randomly we'll have different things that go wrong, and they'll be like, Andrew, can you help with this? And I'll be like, yes. And so helping uh, older people on staff with some of the newer technology or switching over our emails, like all sorts of little things, I just, I get to help out with that. So um, I'm having a, a great time getting to, to serve the rock uh, in a variety of different avenues. And so if you're thinking, wow, he's been here five years and I've never seen him, that's not, that's not your fault. Uh, they just, they keep me behind the scenes doing a lot of different things. Um, a little bit more about myself, uh, I'm married to Luna, who often helps uh, lead worship, so you might recognize her on a Wednesday night. She and I have an eight-month-year-old daughter, and tonight Luna couldn't be here because Ryan Kate is a little sick and under the weather, so Luna's at home with her, but they wish they could be here to be a part of tonight and, and love on you guys as well. Uh, Ryan Kate, having her in our life has been such a transition and, and so incredible. I don't think anyone could could properly articulate what it what it feels like and what the experience is to step into parenthood. Um, it has been, I don't know, like in all the ways they described it, it's been under, under, underdone in that both the difficulty of it, how hard it is to be a parent, and also how rewarding it is. And so it's been such an exciting process to get to walk through that with Luna and, um, and eight months. So far, we're doing great. No major mishaps. Uh, she's only fallen off the bed once, and so <laughs> we're doing okay. Um, but but yeah, so they're doing that. Uh, Luna and I are, are excited. We love Colorado. We, we are, we're originally from Texas, and so we love the mountains, but we kind of love them from our, from our deck and from our doorstep. We don't go camping near as often as we'd like to or we think we should, um, but we, we love driving up and down I-25 and just looking at the mountains and being like, oh, this is really nice. Um, and we love the weather, and so Colorado's so much become our home that even when we go back to visit family, it still feels like this is, this is our place. And so we're really excited to do that and to be here and to get to do ministry with lots of our friends and, and the people we love. Tonight, I, I want to share a little bit. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, you can flip to John chapter 4. Uh, we're going to start here, and we're going to look at a passage, and we're going to sort of dissect it a little bit. We're going to read between the lines in, in just a, a, a small way. The Bible was written across something like 1,600 years, uh, and yet it's still like small enough to fit in my hand. And so there's a lot of parts where the authors, you know, were real concise and, and had some brevity. And so tonight we're going to take a few liberties and we're going to just sort of unpack it a bit and, and look at and sort of imagine what would it have been like to be in this situation. 
And so we're going to be looking at John 4, and then after we do that, we're going to jump around and, and look at a few other scriptures um, to help solidify a few things in our hearts. But before I jump into this, this message, and I guess if you're taking notes, you can title it Overselling and, and Under-Delivering. Overselling and Under-Delivering. This message really was stirred out of a, a, a conversation that God tried to have with me in the middle of the night. So having an eight-month-year-old, I'm already used to being like woken up in the middle of the night. But there was one night a couple months ago that um, it felt like the Lord woke me up, whispered this, overselling and under-delivering. And I thought, okay, cool. And then I fell right back to sleep. And so in the morning when I woke up, I, I had this note typed out in my phone. It just said overselling and delivering. So I asked the Lord, I was like, what is that all about again? Like, I remember you kind of, like, spoke this to my heart, and I, I didn't really fully get it. And so it started this conversation where I began talking with him and him with I and challenging a few of the things that, that I thought was true and some of the things that I was operating in um, consciously and, and subconsciously. And then I even took it to some of my team, and I was like, hey, what do you guys think of this concept? And we wrestled with it a little bit, and we sort of fell, with, fell into a few conclusions that I want to share with you guys tonight. So I'm really excited. This is a, a fresh word that's, uh, that's in my heart. Uh, it's not something that I've, I've walked through completely. I don't have all the answers, but as I'm exploring them and as God's revealing them, I'm excited to get to share that with you tonight. So uh, John chapter 4, verse 30, 39 through 42. It says, Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. In the context of church and ministry and, and Christian life, the concept I want to deal with tonight is, is the sort of question of, are we possibly overselling and under-delivering in some ways? Uh, are, are we perhaps selling Christ and then delivering a, a slightly different version? Are we talking about a, a Jesus that saves, heals, delivers, and then delivering on something slightly less than? I get so frustrated when I interact with companies that sort of like set something or sell something at this level, and then you get it and you're like, oh, that's, that's not really the thing. Um, we were walking, my wife and I were walking through Target, and we saw this uh, box on an end cap, and it's like, on the box it said, as seen on TV. And in my mind, I'm normally like, ah, as seen on TV things, like, I don't know if those are that good, like, I don't know, I just, I'm not quite sold on. But, but it looked like it would fit a need that we had. Uh, right now, we have a uh, we have a dog in the house, a, a dachshund, a little wiener dog, and she's super rambunctious and high energy and loves to lick everything. Like, she'll run up to you when you walk in the house, and she'll try and lick you, and you'll sort of push her back, and her tongue will still be just lapping in the air. Like, she wants to lick everything. Um, and with that, she loves to chase the squirrels that come outside in our backyard and on our deck. But what happens is, like, we've got this sliding glass door, and so she's always having to, like, she runs through the glass door, she sees the squirrel, she gets all excited, and then she scratches, and we have to go over there and, like, let her out. And then, like, three minutes later, she's ready to come back in because she's mostly a house dog and a lap dog, and she doesn't want to stay outside. So, like, we open it up and let her in. And this is just, get, like, it's way too much. Like, it's, it's like, okay, dog, either you stay inside and don't mess with the squirrels or just stay outside and, like, become an outside dog forever. And she hasn't made up her mind. She still wants to come in and out. So as we're walking through Target, we see this box as seen on TV, and it's like this magic, magic screen door. And it, the way it works is you sort of like tack it in around the perimeter of your door, and it's got some magnets in it. And so it's great for humans because you can just like, you open your door, you leave it open, the bugs don't come in. But you can walk in and out 
even if you've got like things in your hands or whatever, because it's just magnets down the seam. So you just sort of like push your way through and it opens. And it's kind of neat. Like in concept, I was like, oh, this is great. And on the box, they showed a dog like going through it as well. And they're like, it's perfect for pets. And I thought, that's great. This is exactly what we need on those beautiful Colorado summer days. We can leave the door open. The dog can go in and out, chase the squirrels as long as she wants. And then like, it's fine. But it didn't work out quite that well. Like, so on the box, it's selling me that it's great for pets, it's super convenient, it's going to change my life, it's the best thing ever. I finally install it, and it took forever because, like, it's just, you have to do it yourself, and it uses a bunch of push pins into, like, your vinyl siding, which isn't great. Uh, and so finally, I get it installed, and I'm like, okay, this is good. The dog's going in and out. She learned how to use it real fast because you just walk through it. I'm going in and out, and I'm like, okay, like, I like it so far, so good. Then Luna and I are like, hey, let's go on a family walk. But because of our rambunctious dog, we don't like walking her and a stroller. And it's just, it's too much. They get tied up in each other. So we're like, we'll leave the dog. But because the dog is also rambunctious and likes to chew on things, we don't quite leave her in the house. So we're like, okay, you got to stay outside with the squirrels. So I close the sliding glass door. The fancy magic screen door is on the other side. And the dog is now on that side. And we leave. We come back 15 minutes later from our walk, confident that nothing inside of our house has been chewed up. But when I walk in, I can see through the sliding glass door that that the magic screen door has just been torn to shreds. <laughs> Absolutely demolished. What had happened was our dog was trained that when you want to come in the house, you scratch on the door. But what I had put in between her and the door was this cheap like netting that as soon as she put her paws on it, her claws just like ripped it. And, and then it became a game of like, oh, this is kind of fun. And she just tore the whole thing to shreds. The, the, like, the 30 bucks I spent on it, the hour it took me to install it, all undone by a dog in less than 15 minutes. And I thought, oh, like this, like, on one hand, it was my fault because I'm like, I should have known that, like, that's how that would have worked. But I still felt like I got sold to on this level. It's perfect for pets. It's great for people. It's magic and awesome. And then I really, like, 15 minutes and it was destroyed. And I was like, no, 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 it's down on this level. Similarly, this happens with other companies. And I'm sure you can think of a few um, workout equipment that, like, guarantee results. And you get it, and you try it for like a week, and you're like, this is nothing. Like, this is garbage. I remember going to my grandmother's house one time, and my grandma's like, she's super old, and her favorite thing to do is just sit on a chair. And so she's not really like, she's not the pinnacle of health, and she's not a fitness guru by any means. But I, I showed up at her house, and I was like, Grandma, what are you doing with this shake weight? And I don't know if you guys remember, but shake weights was another one of those, like, as seen on TVs, where you're supposed to just, like, you know, pump your fist in the air, and it works, you like, your arms and backs and something. And it's supposed to be great, and you'll see results and all these things. And Grandma had, like, used it twice, and she's like, oh, that thing. And my grandma's really, like, she's cynical and, and sort of mean in a little bit. And so she's like, oh, that thing was garbage. Like, I hate it. I never want to use it again. And, and, and here's another prime example of someone who, like, saw it on TV, thought, oh, this is the best thing ever. Like, I'm going to get in shape. And then use it twice and was like, I hate it. I'm never going to use it again. Because she just felt ridiculous, like, just waving her arms in the air with something that flew around. I think the worst offender in this sort of overselling, under-delivering, whether it be magic screen doors, uh, weights that shake them, uh, I think the worst is internet service providers. If you, I apologize if you work for one of them. That must be really difficult for you. But in my experience, like what has happened is I will buy an internet package and they'll be like, you'll get 50 megabits a second. And they make that sound like really fast. And I'm like, okay, great. And then I get it. And then I try to load YouTube and it tells me like it's buffering and just buffering. And I find out I'm not really getting 50 megabits a second to my, to my device or my phone or sometimes even to my house. And, and so often like what irks me the most about that is just it's like, I'm paying for this level 
and I'm not getting that level. And it's the worst. You feel either bait and switched or you just feel like disrespected. And, and then when you call, sometimes those places have like the worst customer service. And so it's not a great experience. On the other side of things, there are some companies that do it really well, that do sort of the, the opposite. Uh, there's companies like, like Amazon and, uh, and Chick-fil-A. So when I go to Chick-fil-A and I order like a four-count nugget, open it up, half the time there's five nuggets in there. And I'm so excited. It's a single nugget, but that makes my whole day. Like, oh my gosh, like I had five nuggets. Like the rest of my day, like anything could happen. I'm still like jazzed on that one extra nugget. And it doesn't cost Chick-fil-A much because it's like, it's insignificant and it's a nugget. But it makes me a valuable, like loyal customer that comes back again and again because I'm like, oh yeah, they never skimp. Like they always give me that extra nugget. Amazon, uh, before like their Prime got really popular where they do like the free two-day shipping, um, they would send out packages and they tell you like, yeah, your package will probably show up in two weeks. And then a week goes by and your package is on your doorstep and you're like, that's amazing. Like they overshot it by, a, by an entire week. Like the delivery team got it out fast and, and you're really excited when really all it was was they just set the bar like really, really low and then just shipped it normal like three to five day ground with UPS and it showed up in three to five days and we're ecstatic about it because the expectation was like a little bit lower than what it should have been. Jumping back to the internet service providers, if they had to try to, 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 to like deliver at that level to sort of go above and beyond, it would be ridiculous. I, I imagine the scenario would be something like the, the cable guy shows up when he told you he would be there, which is a miracle in itself, and then he'd like not only fix the problem by giving you whatever new thing you needed to buy by just giving it to you for free, but then he'd also be like, oh, and I noticed, you know, your router is not optimal, so like I repositioned it, and now you're going to get better coverage across your house, and we hit all the wires so it's not ugly looking, and because I made some dust, I went ahead and vacuumed the whole house. <laughs> like that would be a scenario where like if a cable company did that, I would just be like, yeah, here, take my money. Like this is awesome, this is great, but that's often not the case. And similarly, what God was was showing me when he, when he woke me up was that uh, there are times when we tend to oversell and, and under-deliver in our, in our Christian walk. We tell people that Jesus can do all these wonderful things, and then when it comes time to deliver, we really just, just give away, like, organized religion. We, we give away a, a meeting time once a week. And I think that's something that God is calling us to in a, in a new season uh, to a next level of doing something a little bit differently. I want to jump back to this John passage. Chapter 4, it says, When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So in this scenario, to sort of paint the whole picture, uh, Jesus and, and his disciples, they're traveling. Uh, things weren't going so great where they were at. The Pharisees were getting very, very angry. And Jesus still had, had time left in his ministry. So he's traveling to another area. And on his way, he stops in to, into an area of Samaria, and he stops at the well to get some water. The disciples go and, and get some food for them, for the, like for the team. Uh, but Jesus is waiting at the well. And a woman approaches. And uh, as she's starting to like get her water, Jesus talks to her and says, hey, can, can I have some water? And she's sort of thrown off because at the time like it was taboo, different cultures and different people groups. And they didn't get along and civil rights and all those things. And so Jesus is like, oh, no, it's, it's cool. Like, you know, this, this, and this. And she's like, oh, my gosh. Like, wow, like. You must be a man of God. You must be a prophet. And he tells her some things uh, about herself. And she's surprised. And she's caught off guard. And so then she tries to ask him some religious questions. And he kind of sidesteps those. And he says, in the future, you know, none of that's going to matter. And this, this happens for a little bit. And then finally, like, he, he, gives, he gives her sort of this word, this word of knowledge that cuts right into her. And she goes, like, oh, my gosh, like, 
this is incredible. And then the disciples show back up, and they're caught off guard. They're like, why is Jesus talking to this lady? Like, we don't really talk to their kind. And when this happens, the lady runs back and tells her whole village, and she's, like, running through the streets. She's saying, oh, my gosh, like, there's this guy. He must be a prophet. He might even be the Messiah. You guys have got to come out and, and look. So she's, she's definitely selling her town on Jesus. She's running through the streets. She's advertising him. She's saying he's certainly a prophet, might even be the Messiah, which in this context is, like, you know, the savior, like the, the head honcho, like the, the pinnacle of what they had been waiting for. And so when the people come out, it says this. This is where we had picked it up in verse 39. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. And so he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. So she had, she had said a level. She had set a bar, and then Jesus over-delivered. They come out, probably a little reluctant, coming from their homes, whether they're busy and had stuff to do, but were decided, like, ah, I still want to hear what this guy is, or maybe they were bored and had nothing to do, and they come out. Either way, this woman had run through the streets saying, hey, this, there's this guy here, he knew everything about me. He's got to be a prophet at the very least. He might even be the Messiah. And they're like, okay, well, let's check it out. And then they get there, and they meet Jesus, and they say, oh, absolutely. What she said is right, but he's even more than that, and we know for sure that he's the Savior. I think our sales pitch is that Christ will change your life. He'll save you, heal you, give you life to the fullest. But sometimes what we deliver is just weekly attendance an organized religion, and I think that's where we're falling short in a lot of ways. But God is beginning to stir my heart with this sort of holy discontentment where I'm, I'm no longer satisfied for just that, for just church is normal, just sort of Sunday morning, like I'm going to do this and, and then be done. I'm believing there's so much more. And that's because church isn't the hope of the world, but Jesus is. And so our churches were always meant to, to sort of point to Jesus, and I think we do a good job of that. But when we just bring people to church or when we just show up to church and we forget that, that Jesus is in us and that we are Jesus to our neighbors, like when we forget those things, I think we fall short in a lot of ways. I think we become that, uh, that shake weight or we become that magic screen door that really isn't all it's cracked up to be. A few weeks ago, Pastor Mike shared on Sunday morning about his transition from civil engineering uh, to working here at The Rock, and he described it as his transition out of ministry. And I thought that was really funny. I had to sort of like double check. I was watching it on the tape because that week I was out of town. But, um, but I double checked it and he left a business job to join a church and he called it a move out of ministry. And the reason he said that was because the church building and the church staff are not the ministers. Jesus' disciples are. And as, as his disciples like you and me, we are we are that thing. It's not the building, it's not the church, it's not the meeting, it's, it's us and the Jesus inside of us. Imagine a scenario where your house is on fire. Now aside from the initial panic, like let's dig into this a little more. Imagine you run out the door, you're panicked, uh, you turn back, you see fl flames, you know, shimmering behind smoky glass, you see smoke billowing out of the eaves, you, you know, you're panicked and you're thinking, oh my gosh, my house is on fire. How could this be? Thousands of questions running through your mind. What are the things I need to save? How do I put the fire out? And you're thinking, like, what do I do first? Who do I need to, to get a hold of? And then you remember 
like, oh, I think, I think one of my neighbors goes to the, the fire station a, a couple times. Like, I think, I think I've seen him leaving to go to the firehouse on Sunday mornings. And so you run over to your neighbor's house, you're banging on the door, you sprint there, and you're, you're still, like, panicked. You're feeling crazy because you don't know what really is going on. You see the house, but it, the reality of it hasn't hit into you. So you're pounding on your door until the door opens, and, and there's a, a burly-looking man with fire-retardant pants and a fire hose. And you ask him, you say, are you a fireman? And he says, yes, I've been a fireman for several years, and I, I go to the fire station every week. And you say, perfect, I need you to come put the fire out of my house. But he looks at you and he says, oh, is your house on fire? And you say, yeah, it's fire everywhere. And he says, oh, that's so sad, like, that's terrible, I'm really sorry for what's going on. Why don't I take you to the fire station and I can introduce you to my fire school instructor, and he can give you some pointers on, like, how to put out some fires. And the person, like, you know, you're there, your house is on fire, you're panicked, you're scared, you're breathless, you're sprinting. Like, all these things are running through your head, and you're thinking, what? Fire school instructor? Like, no, I don't want that. I need you to put out the fire. So you stammer, and you're like, no, 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 my house, it's on fire now. I don't need, like, fire prevention for the future. Like, fire is happening right now. Like, come and help me. And he's like, oh, yeah, like, no, why don't we go to the fire station, though, next week, and I could introduce you to, like, the captain of the fire station, and he could, like, set you up with, like, our next seminar for when we've got, like, fire prevention things and, like, you know, stop, drop, and roll, and, like, we could go over all those things together. And still, you'd, you'd think that person was crazy, and yet sometimes in our own lives, like, we see the same thing unfold where even in my own life, like, I meet someone who's broken and hurting and going through a tragedy, and sometimes I sort of resort to, like, oh, you should come check out our church. And that's great because our, our church does so many wonderful things. And there are, believe me, there are far worse advice to give them than, like, you should come to our church. That's a great place to start. But I believe, like, as God's calling us to this next season, uh, he's not just wanting us to bring them to a building. He's wanting us to, like, bring Jesus to them. He's wanting us to help them put out that fire and not just bring them to some fire chief and, and set them up with the next seminar. I think the church staff is responsible for training and equipping, but all of God's people are recruited into the family business. Um, we're all supposed to be Jesus's hands and feet. So as a group of people, I want to be careful that we don't sort of just uh, shirk our responsibility onto those, but instead that those of us who carry the Spirit of God, that we would we would be responsible for those things. We wouldn't put it off on an organization or on a building or on something like that, but instead we would, we would carry a responsibility and we'd carry the Spirit of God that says, no, no, I can fight this fire. I can help this situation. I can, I can do this here. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, it says this. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Those are the gifts that God gave to the church, and those are the people that we usually see inside the church building as church staff. But in verse 12, it says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, which is the body of Christ. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. It's not the responsibility of the pastor, teachers, evangelists, apostles. It's, that's not their responsibility. Theirs is just to equip and train. And so as Pastor Mike was making this, this sort of, uh, on the surface level, what seemed funny to say that he came out of ministry when he joined the church, uh, there's scriptural reference for that, where he talks about, you know, when he was in the, 
in the business world, when he was interacting with people, that's when he was doing ministry. Now that he stepped into a church, he's, he's not doing ministry, he's doing training and equipping. And so I feel God stirring that in my heart when he's, when he's talking to me about, am I overselling and underdelivering? Am I telling people that, that Christ can transform their life and then just telling them, like, oh, yeah, like, well, if you really want that, you know, then come check out some things at our church. Like, you might enjoy it. I don't want them to just come and enjoy it. Instead, I want to bring Christ to them, and I want to say, hey, here's how God's going to transform your life. Like, let's pray right now, and I want to see a miracle happen. And I'm so excited for that, for that change to begin to happen. In March, Mark 16, 17, and 18, it says this, These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. I think in my own life sometimes, uh, not even on, on, a, on a big level of, you know, inviting people to church versus taking, taking Jesus to them. I think in my own life, I'm, I'm falling short in some areas where I'm overselling. I'm, I'm teaching this as the word of God, and I'm saying this is truth, especially when I'm, like, when I'm with the young people. We get them excited, and we go out and we pray for other people. Uh, but there are also still times in my life where I'm, I'm overselling and I'm underdelivering, where I'm saying, okay, God can heal, and, you know, we lay hands on the sick, and, and they recover. And yet in my, I'm underdelivering when I'm at Walmart, and I see someone who's, like, walking with a cane or got crutches or in a wheelchair, and I think, oh, like, I don't want to bother them. They'd be really inconvenienced if they got healed. Like that's somehow that's the thought process that goes through my head. Like there was a there was someone I saw at Safeway, and they had um, they had something that that looked like it was bothering them. That they they looked like they were dealing with this sort of physical physical thing, and and Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and he was like, "Hey, I want you to pray for him." And I was like, "The guy's working. Like I don't want to I don't want to cause a scene. Like I don't want to do a whole thing and like you know." be like the weird guy who like stopped him or have his manager come over and be like, hey, you're supposed to be working. And I sort of like wimped out because in my head I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. And it breaks my heart that, that I, would, I would know something and believe something and yet still like rationalize myself out of it, that I'd still be like, ah. Oh. And, and, and so when God was waking me up and, and speaking this, it hit such a nerve in me because not only am I seeing it in, in like an organizational way, uh, and, and an opportunity for us to improve. But I'm also seeing it in my heart of, man, like I know this and I believe this and I'll even say it, I'll sell it. But when it comes time to deliver, I'm like, oh yeah, well, um, come to our church and we'll pray for you. And I'm not stepping out in a, in a grocery store or in a mall and saying, no, God will heal you right now. Like you don't have to go to a church. You can never step foot in the church and God will still move miraculously in your life. Even though that's the, that's the greater truth. And so I've been challenged in this and I'm hoping... Maybe this begins to stir something in, in you. One other verse I want to share with you. John chapter 14, verse 12 and 13, it says this. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Jesus' words. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. Man, even greater works than Jesus. These are, these are bold scriptures that are written that we have to take and we have to decide either the, the Bible is totally true or it's not. Either this is absolutely true for our lives today, right now, or it's not. I don't want to keep 
overselling and, and underdelivering, saying that, oh, like, you know, you become a Christ follower, you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you've got all this power, you can do these miracles, like, you can transform lives. And then when it actually comes time, I'm like, oh, no, 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 we don't, I mean, we don't actually do that. Like that you don't want to actually do that. That's not what I want to do anymore. I want to begin to take steps to say, okay, I want to turn up the risk. I want to step out. I want to do something incredible. And I don't want to just draw people to a church, but instead I want to take the church out, and I want to do something remarkable. We need to embrace our calling as the ministers and not just point people to a building. I firmly believe the answer is, is more Jesus. I believe that God's calling our church to a new level, and the next step we need to take to get there is, is spending more time with him. Pastor JR does a phenomenal job of working into his calendar, intentional times where he'll go away and pray and fast. Um, and that's, that's admirable and remarkable for him. Pastor Mike has, has taken it a, a step further and said, I love that, that my dad does that. I want all of our staff to begin to do this. So, so during our week, like we've been commissioned uh, by our boss to say, hey, you know what, we need to be spending time with God in the word, in the prayer room, not just for ourselves, but for our congregation, for our church, for this ministry, and, and not for the building, but for the people in it, that we would begin to, to do these things. And so we're taking next steps as a staff, that we're going deeper and we're saying, okay, God, we're ready for this next level of it. We're not just going to, to do a normal service. We're like, we do our, you know, two fast songs, two slow songs, and then get up and share a nice message and then, like, go home and, and have lunch. Like, we're not, we're no longer satisfied with that. We believe that God has so much more for us, and we're beginning to step into those deeper things. And we want to invite you guys to be a part of that. Practically, it starts with shifting our, our mindset a little bit. It, it starts with changing how we think that we don't just attend a church, but that we are a church. Shifting that mindset, we don't just attend a church, but, but we are the church. And shifting it even further than that, we're not waiting for a move of God, we are a move of God. So we're not going to wait, oh, well, when revival hits my city, then I'll pray for someone. No, 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 when we start praying for someone, revival will have hit our city. When we stop people in the grocery store or in the mall, and we pray for them and miracles happen, revival will have hit our city. It's not the other way around. It's not like, oh, well, when, when other miracles start happening, then I'll know that I'm released to do that. That's the opposite. And if we wait for that, we'll be waiting forever. And so with it, like, I think uh, the first practical step is we just have to shift our mindsets. We have to change the way that we think and change the way that we look at things. And then after that, we need to start training. Uh, the Rock is fantastic. And even though I've just said, like, don't just bring people to a church, our church does a fantastic job. As we step into this role of training and equipping, uh, we're no longer trying to, to be the church to every person. We're no longer trying to be uh, Jesus or the ministry to every church or to every person. Our pastoral staff isn't deep enough or strong enough or big enough to try and minister to every person in Castle Rock. We need you to do it. But we want to equip you. We don't want to send you out empty-handed. We don't want you guys to go out there feeling uh, in over your head. We want to give you the tools and the resources, the practical things that you need to be equipped and to feel like you're ready to take on whatever challenges you face, whatever people you interact with, and the, and the world around you. And so with that, uh, in those seat backs in front of you, we've got those rock connects. In it, it'll talk about altar ministry prayer training. And so if you want to learn how to pray with someone um, in a church setting or, or out, the rules are, are kind of the same, uh, this will train you how to do it. We've also got DTC. Um, it is a phenomenal uh, program that's connected with YWAM. Uh, we do it annually, and that'll, that'll give you so many different resources that you need to make a difference. The other one that's starting uh, very, very soon is the Colorado School of Kingdom Ministry. 
we've just partnered with uh, another church in the Metroplex, and we're going to be working with them, doing their curriculum on, it's Sundays, I believe. Sundays, starting like after church and going most of the day, and it'll be very intense. It's a, it's a school-based learning environment, so there's like work that you do. It's not necessarily just lectures. There are a lot of lectures, but there's some discussion and, and group activity work in it. But it's an excellent resource. If you feel like God is stirring the same thing in you where it's like, okay, I don't want to just attend the church. I want to be the church. This is another great way to take that next step and begin to be equipped to do that. We've also got Sozo training and many other different things that you can be a part of. You don't have to be a minister. You don't have to have a title. You don't have to have a position to minister to other people. You don't have to go to a seminary or a Bible college. You don't have to do those things. Uh, there are resources right here in our church that will give you more than enough to go out and to do things. At the very least, all you need is just the Spirit of God living in you, and he'll give you everything that you need. As you lean into him and you're dependent on him, as you're spending time with him, he'll give you more than enough to reach out to your neighbors and your coworkers and your family and your friends and to begin to minister into their lives. The last thing we have to do after we shift our mindset, after we go through a little bit of training, the last thing we need to do is, is start practicing. Sean Edwards, who plays saxophone for us, was telling me not long ago that um, he gives music lessons, and he's got some really good students, and he's got some really bad students. And he loves getting to work with his good students because they're so excited. Every week they're learning something new, he's teaching them something new, whether it be music theory and more of the side of the ethereal, or it would be really practical and, and even just how to place your fingers on the instrument. Uh, he loves getting to work with the, the good students because they're so excited about it. The bad students, on the other hand, he feels like he's just, he's just talking to a wall. He's beating his head, and nothing ever gets done, and he's showing them the same things over and over. And I was asking him, I said, what's the difference between your good students and your bad students? I said, are they some sort of, like, musical prodigy? Uh, do they have more talent? Are they just naturally, like, gifted? And he said, no, they just practice. <laughs> and I was surprised by his candor. It, there was no special ability. It wasn't like, oh, they come from great families, and they've got all these resources, and they have better instruments. It was none of that. It was just oh, they practice. Like I show them something and they go home and they do it 50, 100 times. And then when they come back next week, they've mastered that thing so that I can show them something else. He said his bad students, he's showing them the same thing over and over and over and they're never practicing. Uh, and finally, those lessons usually end because a parent is saying, a parent comes to, to Sean and says, well, I'm paying you all this money. How come my student doesn't know how to play the instrument? And Sean's like, well, I'm trying my best, but they're not practicing. And then the parent's usually like, oh, junior, and then the conversation turns from there, but uh, in our own lives, I think we need to begin practicing. I think for many of us, we've heard enough uh, sermons, we've heard enough lectures, we've heard enough Bible. Uh, I think for now, it's our turn. Uh, we need to begin practicing, and we need to, uh, we need to make time to, to read the Bible on our own. We need to self-feed. We need to uh, spend time in prayer. We need to spend time in worship. And then we need to step out in faith, and we need to begin trying some of those things. Um, it's a great to get to do it. The end goal would be that we could do it on ourselves, by ourselves, on our own, wherever the, the moment strikes and the opportunity is there. But sometimes we need some baby steps. Uh, and I'll be the first to admit that, like, baby steps have helped me so much. When I was at school, the group that I was with did some baby steps. And it looked like the instructor forcing us to do this. He was like, okay. I want you to pray about where you want to go, and then I want you to go there, and then I want you to find someone, and I want you to pray for them. 
And he, for, and he was like, forced us. And it was like, okay. And so it really pushed me out past my comfort zone. If you need something like that, um, this will sound silly, but the children's ministry does treasure hunts. And you can go and you can chaperone with them. And you can bring your child along and be like, oh, this is for the kids. And you can tell people that. And it'll be for you. And that's fine. Uh, but you can step out. And you can do it in a group so that, you know, it doesn't feel so uncomfortable. And you can start. Our church has uh, incredible different areas where you can get plugged in. And you can start. You can volunteer with the altar ministry and you can start praying here. You can do it with another person in the covering of the church where it's a safe environment and you can fail and it's not going to be the end of the world. Um, there are other different ministries that you can partner with. Inner City Outreach that goes into Denver and prays with the homeless and the hurting. Man, if, if you ever talk about people who need a miracle more than anyone else, like they're the people. And so what better place to start than the people who really need it? And so you can go and you can be a part of that. There's a number of different ministries that you can get involved in. Um, either stop out at one of our welcome centers or, or go online or even just call the front desk at the church tomorrow morning and ask, hey, I, you know, I want to do this. My passions are this. How do I, how do I make that happen? And uh, I truly believe that God's going to begin to do some incredible things outside of our church, but he's going to do it through our church and through our body, but not through our building. Uh, I'm excited for you guys to join us in that and, and to be a part of that. Um, and I, I think it's, it's going to be really phenomenal. If you're one of the people that would say, yeah, I want to take a next step. I believe that God's stirring my heart for some of those same things. I'm, I'm dissatisfied with, with just attendance. I'm, I'm discontent with only, only being a, a participant and, or only being a spectator and not being a participant. I want to pray for you and with you uh, this evening. And so if we could, uh, let's just take a moment and, and give Holy Spirit a moment to speak to our hearts. And then from there, we'll, we'll say a word of prayer together. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are so near to us, that you're even closer than our skin. And Father, we thank you that you want what's best for us, and you want to use us, that you're not content to just leave us be, but Lord, you've designed us to be the ministers, that you've designed us to be the people that would go out, that it was never meant to be the, the organization of of religion. It was never supposed to be the building of a church, but it was always meant to be the people, that you've always wanted to be, be to use people. Father, I pray that you'd move in our hearts, you'd begin to show us and illuminate to us what our next step is, where we are on this journey, uh, whether we're still figuring out our faith for our own, for ourselves, uh, whether we're needing to be trained or equipped, or whether we just need to begin practicing. Lord, I pray that you would help shift our minds that we wouldn't just see ourselves as attending a church, but, Lord, that we would be a church. That we wouldn't wait for a move of God, but, Lord, we'd step out as a move of God. Father, I pray that you would give us the boldness and the courage. Lord, that you'd help us to strip off our pride. Um, that would be too worried about our, our self-image or our reputation. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be so afraid of, of looking foolish. But, Lord, that we'd step out. And we turn up the risk, and we trust that you're good and that you want to do good things, that your heart isn't to embarrass us, that your heart isn't to leave us high and dry, but that your heart is to partner with us to do incredible things for your glory. Father, we thank you for where you're calling us as a group of people. Thank you for where you're calling us as individuals on a personal level. And Father, we love you, and we're excited to take this next step with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. 
Um, we ended just a little bit early tonight, and I, I hope you guys don't mind getting out early. Uh, we're going to have a few people up front that'll, that'll pray with you if, if you've got something else that's heavy on your heart uh, that you need someone to connect with. Um, but if, if not, it, you know, hopefully this message is, has been an encouragement to you, and tomorrow I expect a, a flood of phone calls to hit our receptionist, seeing where you guys can get plugged into. Have a great night, and I hope you... Uh,